Hello and welcome back to another episode of Off the Waivers. I'm your host, James Andrews, joined by my co-host, Eric Barnes. Today we have for you a full NBA playoffs preview show as the regular season just came down to an end. Eric, what are you looking forward to most in the playoffs just to get a quick head start on it? Um, I'm looking forward to some exciting basketball and some hopefully uh, some undetermined results or uh, unexpected um, results because, you know, it's been kind of a weird year and I think a lot could happen. So I'm excited for, you know, playoffs or anything can happen and it could be some really enjoyable basketball. I agree with that. And I'm really excited to start to see some arenas with fans in it again. Playoff basketball just has a different energy and a different type of buzz to it. And of course, the CDC announced the other day that they're um, lifting a lot of the limitations involved. So we'll see how stadiums and arenas react for the next coming months. But I think we could see some stadiums try to fit some more people in. And I think it's just going to be a heck of a time. But just to get into a quick season recap for you guys, it really has just been a weird year, like you mentioned. Um, it's It got off to a funny start when they started right before Christmas. A lot of people thought the NBA season wasn't going to start until like maybe mid-January or even later because of how late they had to go into the bubble because obviously the shutdowns last year. But they rushed the season this year so we could get a full 72 games. And there were a lot of COVID troubles along the way, but everyone was able to play a full season. I know like my Washington Wizards had like six or seven games canceled due to COVID and they had to make all of them up and I know the Spurs and a few other teams were a very similar way but everyone got their games in there was a lot of injuries this year which could have been the result of just a jam-packed season with a lot of um, back-to-backs and playing like three games in five days that kind of thing so we saw a lot of teams that we thought were going to be much higher fall down in the standings um, for starters the defending champs the Los Angeles Lakers finished the season off as a seven seed when they were at, at the one or two seed line for most of the season before they had their two best players LeBron James and Anthony Davis miss a ton of time the reigning Eastern Conference uh, finals champ or Eastern Conference champions the Miami Heat are right now locked into the sixth seed as they had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup and they were battling injuries uh, we see we saw some surprise teams this year. The Utah Jazz seemed to came out of nowhere after a few few years in a row where they had good seasons, and they took the league by storm this year and were by far the most dominant team and the best from beginning to end, and they got the one seed out west. Similarly, in the Eastern Conference, the 76ers just looked head and shoulders above everyone else except for maybe the Nets in the regular season. Embiid um, put in a lot of work, and so did Ben Simmons and the rest of the team. They played very consistent all year. That's why they got the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, what did you think of the season as a whole i think you touched on a lot of great things with this season where it really has just been a rush season to start and a lot of in different things have hit teams but it's also had a lot of you know great experiences great moments that's really resulted in kind of a funky playoff seating and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out yeah there's a lot of funky matchups um yeah, I mean, right off the bat here, we're going to have the Lakers in a play-in game versus the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry. I mean, just a few years ago, we thought those two guys would be playing in the finals against each other for every single season. And now here they are battling their way into the play, and that's going to be a heck of a game to watch. But before we get into that, I think we want to talk about some of our end-of-the-season awards. We've talked about these throughout the way a few times on this show. And so let's get into the final MVP talk. I think for the most part, this is pretty clear-cut. 
who's going to win the MVP award, but I have seen some people um, on Twitter and other talk shows who uh, have had some controversy over this. So, Eric, uh, why don't you get us started here? Um, who do you have as your MVP? And then you can round out the top three or four for us. Um, I think that the MVP this year has got to be Nikola Jokic from the Denver Nuggets. Um, I personally think that uh, despite what everybody's saying with the um, the lack of games that everybody else has played, uh, I and Nikola Jokic, I think that's a big thing for him is he's actually played all 72 games this year. And his stats are absolutely incredible for that. Personally, I think if um, players like Joel Embiid, who I have second, would have played more games, we could have had way more of a debate. And he could have been really, really close between those two. But I think you have to look at games. I think Nikola Jokic, for me, has got to be the MVP this year. He really has been dominant. And despite the fact, or he's not, not even despite the fact his team is pushed up into the three seed, actually, even though people thought they were going to fall down. And the fact that they lost the key guy in Jamal Murray and Jokic is just dominated. It hasn't mattered. And he's really just lifted his team and shown that he is the most valuable player. So that, that's where I stand right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I also have Nikola Jokic as my MVP. His stats are just off the chart, averaging over 26 points per game, over 10 rebounds, but he's an all-purpose center. He's averaging over eight assists, and that is just something that is unheard of for a center. And his shooting numbers have just been spectacular this year. He's playing very efficient. He's doing it all for the team. He's actually been playing some good defense, too. He's gotten, He's a much-improved rim protector over the past year. He leads the league in win shares. There's been just a lot of talk about what the MVP actually means. Should it be the best player? Should it be the best player on the best team? I think I have a similar rankings than you. I have Joel Embiid second. I think he was the most dominant player in the NBA um, for every time he was on the court. But you're right. He missed about 20 games or so this season. And I think considering his stats are neck and neck with Jokic's, missing 20 games for me is just the difference maker that you just have to give it to Jokic because you're just so much more valuable when you go out there and you play every single game for your team. And you mentioned it. They were, I think, the fifth or sixth seed when Jamal Murray went down. And I think a lot of people thought their season might be lost after that. But for them to just improve and get better shows how good um Jokic really is and he absolutely deserves this award and then I have Steph Curry as third place I'm seeing a lot of buzz lately for him to get the MVP award because he has just gone completely nuclear this past past month and a half with the Warriors averaging over 31 points per game he won the scoring title too as well on almost 50 40 90 shooting he has played phenomenal but for me the eighth seed is just a little bit too low I, I just can't have my MVP as a guy that's in the playing game and might not even be in the playoffs. I totally agree with that. I think Steph Curry, what he's done in the second half of the season has been remarkable and must-see TV. And I think that'll be great to really jump in and go on to uh, our later conversation about the Warriors in the playing game. I think he's really exciting. He's been incredible this year. So you got to give credit where credit's due. But personally, I just think this is Nikola Jokic's uh, race to win. And I think really mostly it's due to his great performance. And he would have already been in this conversation beforehand. But just the fact that like most players this year have missed 10 to 20 games and have really been knocked out of this this weird uh, MVP year, but the fact that he's played all 72 and his team is where they are going into this playoffs, I think that's just got to be the factor that puts him over the top. Mm-hmm. 
And we know the voters also have a little bit of a youth bias too towards the award. And that's always the way it's been. A lot of guys will win, win the MVP award several times in their 20s. And then even if they produce similar seasons later on, they never really get it. And that's kind of what Curry's going through right now. He already has his two MVPs. That uh, Getting another MVP or not doesn't really matter for Curry's legacy or to have it on his record. But the important thing for Curry is he came out and answered all the questions anyone could have had about him as to whether or not he's actually the best player on a team or if he could still be as dominant without having superstars of Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson next to him. He's answered all those questions. And if they do get Clay Thompson or maybe somebody else in free agency or via trade next year, Golden State could be right back to being one of the league's most high power teams with Curry at the at the center or leading the team. I think you also brought up a really good point there about um, voters kind of just getting bored or players having very similar years, but they just kind of like uh, the whole like playoff narrative or um, the narrative of them already being a multi-time winner. That definitely had some uh, a play with Giannis in this conversation as too, because you know Giannis had a very similar year to both of his MVP campaigns, and he should be in discussion for first team All NBA. And the fact that it's not even a glance at him for a potential MVP kind of shows that hold that voter bias a little bit. And the fact that voters are bored, they want to move on to the new guy. And that's no disrespect to um, Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, because I think they would have been here regardless. But it's just kind of like that idea that someone like Giannis can have a very similar year to his MVP years and doesn't get a second glance um, kind of. Kind of, you know, caps that conversation. And obviously, this is a regular season award. The playoffs are never taken into account. But for Giannis, he's had two straight disappointing postseason series now. So it's kind of almost like we know what he can do in the regular season, and it doesn't really matter what he does in the regular seasons anymore. He has to come out and prove himself in the playoffs, or he's just not going to be as thought of as highly as he was uh, maybe a year or two ago where people thought he was going to take over the league and be the guy that uh, is going to be the best player and the most marketable player in the league after LeBron uh, steps down. Uh, and speaking of LeBron, let's go ahead and get into our first uh, play in a matchup uh, that's going to go. That's going to happen: the Golden State Warriors versus the Los Angeles Lakers. This is going to be a huge money maker for the NBA. I know um, Turner Sports or whoever's broadcasting this is going to love it because a lot of people are going to tune in for this game. I mean, it's going to be hyped up like an NBA Finals game because obviously these two guys played in four straight NBA Finals. But it's a little bit different this time around. Um, LeBron James is coming off. He's the defending uh, finals champion, the finals MVP. And obviously Los Angeles had a tough year with all their injuries and stuff. But they still have a really good team, which is why they're still the um, odds-on favorite right now to win the NBA finals, even though they are only a seven seed, which is um, crazy. And I don't know if that has ever happened before in the history of the NBA, where a seven seed is favored to win the NBA finals. Like That is just madness. But now Steph is the one-man band, just similar to the way LeBron was for many years in Cleveland. And now LeBron is the one with much more help. So uh, what are your predictions? What are your thoughts for that game coming up? Um, my idea with this game is I think it could have, has the potential and why I think a lot of people are circling it on their calendar. It has that potential to be a classic if we see one of those classic Steph Curry games that we've seen this past um, two-month period two, three-month period where he just gone absolute ballistic. I think that personally that's the only shot the Warriors could have because I think Anthony Davis, regardless, will get his stats and he will dominate this game. And then I think the Lakers might be um, too overpowering for this Warriors team. 
But outside of that, I think if you get a massive Curry game, you we could see a really good close game. I think the Lakers are personally over, too overpowering for Golden State. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think the Lakers are probably a lock for the seventh seed with everybody back and healthy. Yeah, I think so. I think Curry will definitely bomb up some threes and he'll hit some and it'll be very energetic and fun to watch. But I agree with you. I just don't know who's going to guard um, LeBron James and Anthony Davis on Golden State side. Maybe they throw Kevon Looney on AD and Draymond on LeBron or Andrew Wiggins and LeBron and Draymond on AD. But either way, those just aren't good matchups for Golden State. They just don't really have anyone to deal with the size and the length and also the athleticism that Los Angeles poses. And we've seen LeBron play um, decent defense on Curry. I think he's actually one of the guys that are better at guarding him around the league. So I think if LeBron really takes on that challenge and says, I'm just going to go out on the, on the perimeter and play there the entire game and try to do what I can against Curry, uh, I really think he can kind of hold him too. Or if they just say, okay, we'll let Curry get his points, but we're not letting Andrew Wiggins score. We're not going to let Draymond do anything against us. I think it's going to be extremely tough for the Warriors. And I expect the Lakers to move on um, just as you do and and be the seventh seed, and that would put them up against the Phoenix Suns in the first round of the playoffs. Hey, man, you never know. I, mean, I think someone like Wiggins could be an X-factor in this game. What if Wiggins just out of nowhere was like, it's finally my time, I'm finally getting a real shot to you know make a name on the on the stage in this you know new environment that he's been in the past year and a half. And maybe, he, you know, this is the big Wiggins game. This is the breakout we've been waiting for a long time. It's not it like, you know, you never know. He's improved a lot um, with Golden State Warriors, and I think that's a lot to say about Steve Kerr and the system they run there because he was always just such an inefficient player playing for Minnesota because there was no one really there to push him or just challenge him ever. But now he's on a team that um, winning is their is their first and only goal. They're only there to win. They're not there to put up stats or do anything else in Golden State, and they're not going to play selfish ball at all. Draymond's going to make sure guys are moving the ball and taking good shots. And we've seen Draymond really take a liking to Andrew Wiggins at time this season, and he's just been feeding him a lot so and he could be definitely be an x-factor and i think if golden state were to win i would expect that wiggins would be around the 20 23 point mark in that game but then moving on here so we think the lakers are are going to win that game sticking out with the west we have the grizzlies and spurs in the 9 10 game that's not as exciting uh, the Spurs have really been struggling mightily lately. They were on they were on a good track for a while, hovering around the eight nine seed. But they I've lost I believe seven or eight out of their past ten games. They even lost a game to the Suns, who were resting all of their starters in that game. And the Spurs were going hard for a win, and they still lost that game. Do you think the Spurs have any shot going up against the Grizzlies? I think um, the Spurs, for all the credit they've gotten in the past twenty ish years, with just being a very stable franchise. A franchise can always pull something out of their hat. Uh, I don't think they will this year, though. I think the Grizzlies are a much better team than them, even though they're only slightly better in the uh, in the conference standings. I think those Spurs have really kind of free fall a little bit of late, and really like those bottom feeder teams in the West that actually looked like they had a little bit of life like a couple weeks ago, based on how the Spurs playing. Plus, I more so think that Grizzlies. And Warriors going into the following playing game for the eighth seed would be much more entertaining um, to watch, especially since we just saw it as one of the last games of the season and we it came down to the wire. I think that's more likely of the scenario that we would happen or that would happen that we would see than the San Antonio Spurs pulling out some of their old magic. I think most of that uh, magic dust that's come from that huge 20 Spurs uh 
Tim Duncan era is, I think it's long gone. And I think this is probably about the end of the Spurs dynasty. Yeah, you don't ever want to count Pop out for sure because, like you mentioned, he could always pull something out of his sleeve, and he's proven that he's one of the best, if not the best, um, head coach in NBA history. And DeMar DeRozan's still a really good player, too. I want to give him his credit. Uh, He's done a good job leading that team all season. A lot of people didn't think they would be better than teams like the Kings and the Pelicans who fell out in the West. So give them credit for making it this far in the season. But I don't think they stand any shot against the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies, they're no stranger to the play-in game. At this point, Like they've been played in a lot of these um, one-game high-leverage situations. Obviously, they ran into a tough situation last year where they had to face Portland, who dropped all the way down to the eighth seed because of injuries. And then they got healthy and were just too good for the Grizzlies. And now they might have to face a similar story with Golden State in that 8-9 matchup. Do you think the Grizzlies could beat them again if that's what it came down to? Or do you think Golden State would probably take care of them? I think that matchup is a lot closer than we think, especially again, as I mentioned, we just saw it um, and it came down to the wire and it came down to that John Morant shot that didn't, that didn't fall and the Warriors just weren't worried about it. I think um, personally, it's more so some of the uh, like who can the Warriors guard in that game? Cause we saw in that game specifically Jonas uh, Valanciunas actually had a pretty dominant game against the Golden State Warriors and it didn't necessarily matter because the Warriors still came out on top. But I think the Grizzlies definitely have some people where they could definitely come out on top and be that eighth seed when it comes actually playoff times at the end of the week here. Uh, I, I wouldn't count them out. I wouldn't rule them out. I think that'll be a close matchup. So I would I would look to see the Grizzlies making it past the Spurs and then at the at the <laughs> If the Warriors somehow beat the Lakers and the Grizzlies have no shot, but the war- uh, Warriors, the most li- more likely matchup, I think that will happen. I think they got a shot there. Yeah, and um, you mentioned it when they when the Grizzlies faced off against the Warriors on Sunday. That was the first time John Morant had had ever face Steph Curry in a game and you could tell he definitely was a little pushed back and I don't know if he was quite ready for what he had in store with going up against Curry and trying to guard him and then going and having to carry the offense on the other end of the floor as well so I think John Morant will be a little bit more prepared he got kind of sucked into taking a few jump shots in that game late in the third quarter that he probably didn't want to take up against that team in those situations because we know how athletic and how explosive he is going to the rim so if he can really just try to set himself up for success and not do what Golden State wants him to do. Uh, I think they'll have a much better shot. And then again, it's just trying to contain Curry. But I think when it comes to these one-game playing games, you have to look at them like a Game 7. And historically, in Game 7s, it's always kind of been where the role players will kind of shrink a little bit. And whoever has the best player, they usually shine, which is why I think the Lakers will beat the Warriors, unless Steph can go completely nuclear, because we know he does have a shot to be the best player in that game. But most likely, it'll be LeBron James' best player in that game. And then Golden State versus um, Memphis Grizzlies. I think Steph Curry will easily be the best player on that floor. And that's why I think that he'll lead them um, to victory over there, and Golden State will come out with the 8th seed. You have to really consider, though, too, that the Grizzlies are one of the few teams in the league that already has playing game experience. Now, they lost to Portland last year in the bubble, but John Morant did play very, very well against Damian Lillard and matched up very well in that series. So I think have, having him now played Steph Curry on, uh, in the, um, in San Francisco. Uh, earlier this week and really getting that out of the way, I think we could see a much, you know, more confident player next time they play if it does happen this week. Yeah, moving on to the Eastern Conference now. 
the matchup I have been looking forward to all season long. Even when the Washington Wizards were in the uh, 14th seed in the Eastern Conference, even when they were 17 and 32, I still had faith that this team could improve and make it to the playoffs somehow, some way. And not only did they do that, but with a um, last day victory against the Charlotte Hornets, they got all the way up to the eighth seed. They're going to travel to Boston for a chance to finish in the Eastern Conference as a seventh seed and make the playoffs and have a playoff series. I am so excited for that game. Boston has looked dead in the water lately. Ever since Jalen Brown got hurt, it has been rough for them. They've had a very disappointing season. Once again, the Brad Stevens-led Celtics team kind of disappointed as soon as their team had expectations. Whenever they're viewed as the underdog, it seems like that's when they come out and play really well. But then as soon as they have expectations, it doesn't really work for them. But I've said it, like I said just now, the best player in the series usually will prevail a lot of times, especially in these one-game scenarios. And that could very well be Jason Tatum because he is a killer out there on the court. And if it's a close game around the fourth quarter, Jason Tatum might just take over and lead Boston to victory. But, I mean, I know you are a big Jason Tatum guy. What have you seen out of Boston lately? Do you think they? Do you think that'll be a competitive game? I mean, I don't really know because I think that personally in the past month or so, and honestly most of the season, but... In the past month or so, this Boston team really hasn't shown a lot of fight. Uh, I don't know what to expect from this team going into this playoffs. Other than that, I'm not confident in them. Um, they won't have Jalen Brown. Kemba Walker's been iffy this entire year with his health. Um, Jason Tatum, I think if he gets going, that's going to be what you're going to look at. Like you said, uh, he could take over. He could have a massive game. I think that's probably what they're going to look for. But, you know, if he starts getting, if he starts getting, uh, little hot or a little shaky early. It could be frustrating. It could be a long game for him. And then you got to ro- look at the Wizards and the and the streak and the hot streak they've been running. I think that they probably actually have to be the favorites in this game. I know it might seem weird, but I think that currently right now they're playing much better basketball than the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics look like they don't want to be there. You mentioned Brad Stevens and his team once they have expectations not achieving them. I personally don't look at Brad Stevens as uh, the person at fault here. I think this team has just not really been constructed well. And then with injuries and effort, it really just hasn't been there. Hasn't been there. Um, so I, even if they do win this, I don't see them going very far in this playoffs. So I think this will be actually a very interesting matchup. And I think it might be more interesting than the Warriors-Lakers game, just because I think it has more potential to be a close game and a more interesting game, mm-hmm. especially at the Warriors. If Steph gets, uh, I mean, he won't get shut down, but like if Steph gets not like, doesn't have like a massive game, just has like a maybe like late 30s game, there's potential where that game's just a blowout versus this one, I think regardless will be a close game. Because I think they're pretty evenly matched, but I do see the Wizards coming out. I don't think this this Boston team looks dead. Yeah, of course, for Steph Curry, I mean, anything under 27 points is considered him getting locked down. And it's sort of the same way for Bradley Beal. But one of the big storylines we'll, we'll to watch will be, is Bradley Beal 100% healthy? He had to miss... Um, Almost the final three games of the season up until the last one where they played the Hornets and he was not 100%. It was a game-time decision for him to be in there and not a lot of the first half because he just could not get his hamstring going. But then he really battled through the second half. And even though he was clearly not 100%, not really even close to 100% on the court, he was still just going and just willing his way to the rim and just trying to do whatever he could to lead the team in that must-win victory. And they got it done then. 
but this will be a much tougher task in Boston. And if he has a guy like Marcus Smart on him, harassing him the whole game, if he's not 100% healthy, it could turn bad for Bradley Beal. And it might fall on the shoulders of Russell Westbrook and some of the other guys on the Wizards. That's when you get scared if you falls on the hopes of Russell Westbrook. That's not a phrase. <laughs> you enjoyed it, listener here. <laughs> Sorry, time and time again, that just kills him. Yeah. Yeah, another thing about the Wizards, and I was not expecting to say this a few months ago, but they have a very significant interior advantage going up against Boston in this game with Robin Lopez and Daniel Gafford playing much better as of late, especially Gafford, who's been one of the best rim running and rim protecting big men off the bench too. And Robin Lopez, who is kind of a matchup nightmare because if you don't have a seven-footer that can stand and um, really try to muscle with him on the block, he will get down there and he will go for his hook shot every single time. And that's almost automatic. And I think he had um, 18 points against the Hornets in this past game where he was really one of the only ones that could get the offense going at the time because you literally just dump it to him on the block and he'll just he'll spin four or five times, travel three times, the refs won't see it, and then he puts up a hook shot and it just goes in almost every single time and it's really good to see and I don't know if Boston is anyone that can match up with him down low because they've had oh, huge struggles the past few years trying to find a center Yeah, and ironically Daniel Gafford was in that trade from Chicago that also involved the Boston Celtics to think that they moved on from Daniel Tice and what they brought back was uh, Mo Wagner from the Wizards and they probably could have had Gafford and Gafford would have been perfect for him so I think at this point, everyone knows what my prediction is for that game. I think the Wizards will go up in Boston, send them send them packing, make them go down and have to play another game. Obviously, Boston would have that second one at home as well. Of They would avenge their 2016-17 Game 7 loss in Boston. That was a heartbreaker. What's your official prediction for that game? Um, I think, like I said, it's, I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be uh, one that can come down to the wire. And if, and Brad Beal's not going well and it's in uh, Russell Westbrook's hands, you know, who knows anything could happen with him. Uh, I like Jason Tatum to actually have a pretty good game here. I think the Wizards still will come out, though, and get the win and be the seventh seed. All right. And for the sake of just being complete here, we're going to talk about the 9-10 matchup, the Hornets versus the Pacers. The Pacers had a lot of potential going into this season. They had a five-man starting lineup that was really good on paper. Then TJ Warren got hurt. Miles Turner got hurt in the season. Brogdon and Sabonis both spent time on the injured reserve. Uh, and it's just really been a rough go around for them. Karis LeVert missed a lot of time. Their defense has looked horrid at times. I mean, the Wizards put up 150 points against them in a game. I've never seen that before in an NBA game where a team just puts up 150 points. I mean, they had no one out there that was playing defense. But at the same time, they stand a chance in this game because the Charlotte Hornets have been one of the most inconsistent teams in the league all season long, and they've really struggled of late. LaMelo Ball came back from his wrist injury. He just doesn't look the same as what he was before. So I'll look look for him to get healthy over the offseason, and then he'll, he can start improving again. But right now, he's just not much of a threat on the court. And Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier might be the two most inconsistent players in the league. When their shots are going in, they're really hard to stop. But when they're not going in, they will just take themselves out of games uh what's your prediction for that one um i don't like either one of these teams i think it'll be a team where uh they probably won't go far after this but i mean like what i just said with boston anything's possible there i like the hornets over the pacers here though i think i have probably more faith in 
a player like Terry Rozier to have some have a big game that can help propel, uh, propel them past uh, the Pacers. I just don't believe in this Pacers coaching staff. I don't really believe in the players right now. They don't really seem to be in sync or playing good team basketball that we've known the Pacers to be in the past. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of my thoughts on it. I think I think this is definitely just a kind of a toss up game, but I would probably trust the Hornets more than I trust the Pacers. Yeah, we can go into the Pacers more in depth in the offseason, but they made a terrible move getting rid of Nate McMillan. And of course, we'll talk about him later with the Hawks because he's been a genius with the Hawks and turned them around again. That was, I have no idea what they were thinking firing him. It just ruined their entire culture. I'm going to pick the Pacers in this one just because they do have Sabonis. He'll be the best player out there on the court. Um, I do really love Miles Bridges, though. If there's one reason to watch, turn on a Hornets game, it is Miles Bridges. He makes explosive plays on the offense and defensive end every single night. And he doesn't get talked about too much unless he's posterizing someone, but he's actually a lot better than just dunking the ball. So I think he's a vast improving player in this league. He's an exciting player to watch. But other than that, I'm going to pick the Pacers in this one. And I agree with you. I think whoever loses the um, Boston-Washington matchup will end up uh, beating one of those teams at home probably rather easily. And so then let's go ahead and move on to there and get into some real playoff series that we already know who's going to be matched up against who. The playoff series that I am looking forward to the most, this is an easy one. It is that 3-6 matchup in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat. They met up last year in the second round. The Bucks. Um, they had a good amount of momentum in that game, but of course the bubble kind of threw everything off, but they were the one seed. A lot of people expected them to go to the finals. A lot of people had them winning the finals and then disaster struck and they got gentlemen swept in that one. They lost the first three games, fell down three, nothing, barely won the fourth game. And then Gus um, lost that series in five. Jimmy Butler just came out a man on a mission in that series. And they have both teams are virtually bringing back the same players, except the Bucks added Drew Holiday, and the Heat, of course, won't be will be without Victor Oladipo, who they picked up at the trade deadline. But he's hurt again; he's out for the season. So the Heat will have the same team as last year. They still have Bam Adebayo, who matches up with Giannis Antetokounmpo real good. What do you think about that series? Um, I think it's going to be. I don't actually, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be as close as everybody thinks. I don't think it's going to be the same series as it was last year. I've seen this Miami Heat team that just has been visibly gassed this the, enti- uh, the entire year. They really haven't been the same team outside of Bam and uh, Jimmy Butler once those guys get going. I trust those guys well, and I still think they're great defensive players that they can help stop Giannis. But I think missing some of the key role players that they had, like, um, Jay Crowder, who's on the Suns now, I think he played a really big part in the series against the Bucks last year. Or even a guy like Avery Bradley, who they just kind of cut off for Oladipo um, in the middle of the season. I think he could have played a pretty good uh, factor in the series. I think that personally, I just this, they, these guys, this Miami Heat team doesn't necessarily look the same as it do, did last year when they were in the bubble and they did beat this Bucks team. I think it'll be a lot. Um, Closer than it was last year because obviously it was a um, sleeper. It was a gentleman sweep. But I do think that the Bucks will pull it out this year. I think the Bucks are the better team. I think the addition of Drew Holiday will actually make a big difference in this series. Um, and I think that Drew Holiday, his ability to play two way as a two-way player, as well as Chris Middleton's ability on offense, 
I think it'll just be too much for Miami. I don't think they are the same team. Even though most of the guys are the same, I don't think this is anywhere close to the same team we saw last year. So I'm going to have to go with the Bucks here. I think that it's an interesting series, interesting matchup. But the Bucks are the guys I'm going with to win this first-round matchup. I'm kind of leaning that same way as well. I predicted the Heat over the Bucks last season, and I was very happy when it came through because I just don't like to bet against Jimmy Butler, and I'm nervous to do it again this year because if he does come out a man on a mission, he can completely change the tone of a series. But the Miami Heat had three guys last year. It was Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero who all stepped up in the bubble and played easily the best basketball of their entire lives, especially Goran Dragic, who's a veteran in this league and has been an all-star in the past, but he never played quite up to that point of what he was doing in the bubble last year. And he hasn't really done it again this year, although he's faced some injury troubles. I'm not sure if we can consider the Miami Heat on the same wavelength as the Lakers of, oh, they were gassed coming to the season because they had to play longer than everyone else. So they kind of get a free pass. That's why they're so low. But at the same time, and at the same time, they're only one spot down from where they were last year because they were the five seed last year, and now they're the six seed. But this is an extremely tough first-round matchup, and I think Drew Holiday could be that killer in that series that if Giannis isn't able to get buckets down the stretch late in the game, if they build a wall against him, I think it could be Drew Holiday who's the one that goes and gets him. But I think this series is going to seven, and I can see Milwaukee winning it in seven. I think um, you brought up those three guys. Um, with someone like with the with the two younger ones, um, and Robinson and Hero, I think more so it's been they haven't really produced to what we expected they would do in this um season following coming off that those bubble performances. But I think it's more so now they're actually getting game plan for, and it's a lot harder yeah. to score when the off uh, our defenses the other pro- other opponents are really focused on you. So we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Obviously, Jimmy Butler. Is hard man to bet against, and I mean Goran Dragic. I feel like he has a little Rondo-ish vibes, where he kind of like is just there in the regular season, not really crazy. But then he, when it comes playoff times, in playoff time, he is a guy that you want to have on your team as a veteran. So I could see that, but I, I don't think he will go to seven. I think this will be five or six, and I think it'll be Milwaukee. I'm, I'm pretty confident in the Milwaukee Heat or Milwaukee Bucks over the Miami Heat here. Ooh, pretty confident against Jimmy Butler. That's a bold statement. But yeah, and another thing with Milwaukee is though they still they like to give up a lot of three-point shots to protect the rim. So like if Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero can spark up, you mean they can change the course of the series very quickly just like they did last year. Uh but moving on here, so out of all those series that we know right now that are going to happen, which one are you looking forward to the most? I think I'd look forward to um the other first round or the other rematch, per se, but the other first-round matchup from last year. Um, the 4-5 game in the West, the Los Angeles Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks. I look forward to that because the Clippers just completed the the two-game tank to get to the fourth seed, a little strategy they employed to avoid the Lakers until the um, to the uh, Western Conference Finals, which I think would be really ironic if the Lakers somehow lost and then they – <laughs> they were the eighth seed, and then they didn't avoid them anyways. But uh, that little that kind of showed me that this team isn't necessarily as confident, maybe as um, they might be perceived to be. That they want to avoid facing the Lakers until the conference finals. Um, so that shows me there's a little vul- vulnerability there, which we kind of thought throughout the year, even though they looked kind of dominant at times. 
uh, we still don't trust this team in the playoffs. We w- need to see what happens. And last year, this it was a very good series with Luca and KP going to six games. And Luca's only gotten better, and I think this Dallas team's only gotten better as well. So I'm actually really interested in this series because I think it actually could be pretty close, and it could go either way. I think Luca is probably the best player in the series right now. Kawhi is still a very top level player. I don't know if he's necessarily his peak anymore, but I think Luca's actually at this point in his career probably a better player, and I think he's a guy that could dominate this series or really sway it. I think it goes back and forth. They had a lot of close games, regardless who was sitting and who was playing. But um, they had a lot of good games this year, and I think they'll have more good games in this first-round matchup. So I'm really curious. I mean, I wonder what your thoughts are on this matchup. Well, answer me this. How many rings does Luka Doncic have? He has zero, but he's only played. How many does Kawhi Leonard have? Third season. I'm very high on Luka Doncic. I think he will end up getting several rings one day. But it's just not his time yet. Kawhi Leonard is still very much an elite player in this league. And a lot of people always forget about it because he's just had this um, way about him of just coasting through the regular season. But then when he goes into the playoffs, he can be that guy. Of course, they struggled mightily in that Nuggets series. That series was just wild last year where the Clippers went up 3-1 against him and then carried um double-digit leads into halftime in all three games of 5, 6, and 7, and then ended up losing to blow the 3-1 lead. That was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. And yeah, I still don't have a ton of faith in this Clippers team, even though they are a very ultra-talented team and definitely have what it takes to win the NBA championship, in my opinion. And I've always loved Kawhi Leonard. I think he will be the best players in this series. I think people... People are too hard on his defense. A lot of guys, when they get up around his age, especially with the injury history he's had, they do kind of relax on defense. But he's a premier offensive player. And I think if he really wants to, he can still go and hassle some of those guys on the defensive end. He can go after Luka Doncic. And I think they just match up with them really well. They also have Paul George, who's a great perimeter defender, and he can be on Luka at times. They also have guys like Marcus Morris and Zubac, too, playing the big positions that are very switchable. They're much better at switching on pick and rolls than Kristaps Porzingis is because before Kristaps Porzingis got hurt in these guys' series last year in Game 4, they were just running him through the pick and roll every single play because Kristaps Porzingis is one of the worst pick and roll defenders in the league because he is just not mobile enough to keep up with those guys. So I think Kawhi Leonard will probably have an easy time in this series getting to his mid-range spots. It barely went to six games last year just because Luka hit that bizarre game winner. I don't even see it going that far this year. I think the Clippers are going to wrap this one up at five. I think they match up too well. And I think this Mavericks team just isn't quite there yet. I love Luka, but I'm just not sure who else on this team could really take over. Kristaps is really good, but he's kind of just turned into more of a spot-up shooter lately. And his, his injuries have really gotten to him. And he's just not as athletic as he once was. So I've got the Clippers in five. Listen, I'm not trying to come off as any Kawhi hater. You might be pursuing that or uh, or if I'm just like way high on Luka. I just think that, you know, it's a prove it league and Kawhi Leonard, he proved it a couple times in his career. And two years ago, I thought he was probably in the discussion for the best player in the game of the way he carried the, the Toronto Raptors to the finals and to the championship. That's not my thing, but this Clippers team is not, it's not, the, that's not the same quiet. This is 
the Toronto Kawhi is not the guy we saw last year. I don't necessarily think it's the guy we see this year. I think you might be overrating the Clippers just a little bit with um, the capability. Like, I don't think Paul George, Paul George has this big rep as a two-way guy and one of the most elite two-way guys. You know, he has one bad game, and all of a sudden his attitude will completely change. He'll start deflecting. But, you know, playoff P, that's just how it is. So, I mean, I can't trust him to be one of those guys in the series yet because he hasn't proved that. Um, and, you know, I trust Luca. I know he's very young. Sure, he hasn't technically won anything, but I trust Luca. When you put him in a, a seven, what's it called seven game series, he makes things happen. The whole thing revolves around him. And I think right now he's probably the best player in the series. I don't think Kawhi is all NBA first team. But I think Luca is. I think Luca is the best player in this series. And when you, like you mentioned earlier, when you had the best player in a game, when you had the best player in a series, that can play a big factor in it. And I just think that it will be a lot closer than you're perceiving it as. I'm not to hate anybody on the Clippers, not to overhype anyone on the Mavericks. I'm just seeing it or saying it how I see it. I think the Mavericks are a lot better than people think. And again, we haven't seen this Clippers team prove it. So that's what I want to see. Are they going to prove it? Are they going to come out and play great? That's what I'm interested in. I want to see this this matchup. And I think personally, um, this team, this Mavericks team is a lot better than a lot of people probably think. I just I don't see a ton of improvement with the Mavericks from last season. Uh, I, I might be wrong about that, so I'm excited to watch, and maybe they will prove me wrong. But the Clippers added a few key things that they were missing last year. One of them was a rim protector, and that's Serge Ibaka. He missed a lot of the season due to injury, so I'm not expecting too much out of him. But he did come back the other day and play decent minutes. So um, if he can kind of get his feet wet throughout the playoffs, he could be a pretty big X factor for them. But also, what they needed last year was leadership. Leadership that Kawhi wasn't giving them. And certainly they were not getting from Paul George because he had one bad game and just started crying mental health. But they have Rajon Rondo, another guy who's proven it, a veteran with rings, a guy with jewelry. Luka doesn't have that, but Rondo does. Rondo was the biggest X factor for the Lakers last season in the bubble. And a lot of people have kind of forgotten about that, that the Lakers might not have won that championship. I mean, it's a bold thing to say, but they might not have won that championship without Rondo. He was shooting around 40% from the three-point line last year, and he's doing a very similar thing this year. But just his impact on the Clippers could be huge because he is finally that guy that can just say, okay, you guys need to go do this. We need to do here. Hey, we're all right. We got this. He's just that veteran presence. I think the people will gravitate towards him. And as long as he plays, I mean, playoff Rondo, baby. Don't ever question playoff Rondo. He always does that where he steps up his game. Um, Everywhere he's gone, whether it's the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bulls, he's always been a huge playoff contributor. Even when he was on the Pelicans with Anthony Davis, he was doing it there. So I think he could be another X factor in this series, a guy that they were really missing last year and just that veteran leadership uh, an outspoken guy as well. That's why I really like the Clippers. I'm not sure if they will beat the jazz in the second round. That's something that like you say, I'm very high on the Clippers. I just think this is a really good matchup for them against the Mavericks. I'm hesitant to think that they can beat the jazz, even though they're more talented than them. But I think in this series, they'll probably get it done. I think the more debatable question might be does playoff Rondo, cancel out playoff p i think that's what you kind of have to figure out in that <laughs> locker room you know <laughs> that's that's the thing i'm most interested to see you you're absolutely right 
playoff Rondo. I mean, if they equal out, then it just turns into Kawhi versus Luka, so it'll be a good series. But and then moving on from there, so we talked, we mentioned the play-in games, and we we kind of are on the same page here. We think the Wizards, probably the Celtics, along with the Lakers and the Warriors, um, will come out of the play-ins and get the seven and the eight seeds in whatever order that is. Right now, we have the Utah Jazz as the one seed in the West, and the Phoenix Suns, who we haven't even mentioned yet, is the two seed. They had a phenomenal season after going 8-0 in the bubble, but just still barely missing the playoffs. They added Chris Paul, and Chris Paul has done a huge wonders of just changing the culture in the team and adding to what head coach Monty Williams already has brung them. And he's a guy that could also be in the Coach of the Year conversation. They added Jay Crowder, a guy that you mentioned um, that he were really missing this year. DeAndre Ayton has really stepped up his play. So the Suns, even though a lot of people aren't necessarily high on them, they could be a huge um, breakout candidate in the playoffs. But anyway, so then in the Eastern Conference, you have the 76ers, who we talked about, and then the Brooklyn Nets, who everyone knows what the Nets bring at this point. If their big three is healthy, they are a legitimate super team, and they're a force to be reckoned with. But out of all four of those teams, do you think any of them uh, are likely to go down in the first round? And which ones do you think could fall? Um, I think that you have, definitely have to look at the Suns as the first candidate here, um, just because they will most likely be facing the Los Angeles Lakers, which will be by far, so as the as the title favorites, they will be by far the hardest team they will face coming out of the Western Conference. If that's if that's just the, the borderline, if that's the game, that's the matchup. Which could go, that could be a good thing and a bad thing. Cause like, that could be a bad thing is like, that's a poor, it could be a poor matchup. We saw Anthony Davis torch the Suns, um, a, a week or so ago. And, you know, like, if the Lakers are just truly destined to come out of the West, then for the Suns, you feel bad a little bit because, you know, they worked so hard. This team has not been in the playoffs in like a decade. And all of a sudden they're in the playoffs. They're a two seed. Great time. They have home court advantage. Oh, you get LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the first round. So like that, that's where I feel like they could be the team that gets dropped here in the first round easily. But at the same time, I don't think they'll go down that easily. I think, you know, there are, there are some people that's like, you want to see you get farther. You want to get the big matchup, but the, the matchup is the Lakers. That's who you got to beat. So if you're going to beat them, then why can't you just beat them in the first round? So I think the Suns and the Lakers is the matchup to look at if you're thinking about a team that's going to drop or fall. Um, in the Eastern Conference, I don't think we'll have any issues there. If Sixers are facing Boston, they will demolish them. Joel Embiid has just in the past been an absolute monster. And like like you said with the you said with the uh, Warriors or not was uh, Warriors Wizards matchup, you were worried about Robin Lopez against them. <laughs> what are they going to do with Joel Embiid? So <laughs> I think that uh, I think that's something where it's like that's no contest. The Nets, I think everybody going healthy. I'm sorry for you as a Wizards fan. But hey, man, you'll get to watch uh, four games against them, maybe five. <laughs> Russell Westbrook goes crazy, so um, we'll see who's sorry. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think we'll uh, have any contests there. And then the Jazz. Uh, it, the, I think the Warriors and Jazz series could be fun. I think it could be enjoyable to watch with Steph Curry going off. But I think the Jazz are a very solid, strong team defensively, and then they have a lot of weapons offensively. Bojan Bogdanovic. Jordan Clarkson, they'll just casually have 40 in one of the games, and you'll just be like mm-hmm. sitting there. Uh, this team, easy win. They had no shot, especially when it's just Steph Curry who's going to give 
uh, be the scoring load carrier for the Warriors. So I think those series are much more safer locks, safer picks. The Suns-Lakers series is much closer because it's not really a natural 2-7 matchup, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think the Suns are the obvious pick there. I think you kind of pretty much touched on it with the 76ers Celtics that those teams, they have a real rivalry and they go back and forth. Like last year, the 76ers could barely touch the Celtics in the postseason because the Celtics were just head and shoulders above them. And then this year, it's just the complete opposite. And I don't think that that's not your traditional 1-8 matchup where the one seed wins three games, oh, maybe just lets their foot off the gas a little, maybe loses. The 76ers will go hard in that series and Bede will take it to them for four straight games. And if the Celtics are playing them, they will not win a game in the first round. I would guarantee it. Unless something um, monumental were to happen, I don't see how the Celtics would take a game. They have no answers for Joel Embiid, and I know that they would go hard to bury them in four games. And I think it's kind of similar for the Jazz Warriors because the Warriors have embarrassed the Jazz in the past when the Warriors were way up there as the one seed. But now the tables are turned, and I think as long as Donovan Mitchell is healthy, the Jazz are a legitimate threat to win the NBA Finals. I know a lot of people don't think that highly of them, but I do because, like you mentioned, they're just so deep with Clarkson, Joe Ingles, and Boyan Bogdanovich. They've got so many different guys that can step up and give you 30 in any given night. And Mike Conley has also played like vintage Mike Conley this season. He had a very rough year last last year which kind of hurt them but he's back to doing his thing uh yeah I think uh, I was really looking forward to watching the Suns play this postseason so I was very disappointed when they drew the Lakers I was hoping the Lakers would get the sixth seed and they would the Suns would be able to play like Portland or someone like that that where they could win because I thought Devin Booker had a chance to be the biggest breakout star in this postseason and really just put his mark on it and show everyone how good he actually is because a lot of people still don't understand how good he is because now everyone is like oh well Chris Paul should be in the MVP conversation for what he's done with them but he's not even the best player on the Suns the best player on the Suns is hands down Devin Booker and as much as we all love Chris Paul and how great he is and you can't question his greatness but he doesn't have the greatest postseason track record either and I know some of that was due to injuries or inconsistencies of other guys too but it does come down to it like he had a chance to win a game seven last year and he was unable to really make his mark late in that game uh, the um his vintage Clippers Lob City teams always kind of underperformed. So I agree. If the Lakers are healthy and they're able to beat the Warriors and they come out and they're the Lakers that we kind of expected to see all season long, I think that they'll probably beat the Suns in six, maybe seven games. May, it could be five, but I don't think LeBron James would lose that series. But with my Washington Wizards going up <laughs> against the Nets, we'll see who's sorry at the end of that series. Here's what I have to say about the Nets. If all three of those guys are healthy, I don't think they will lose in the Eastern Conference except for that first round because that is the time to get them because whereas Philly is going to go hard to bury Boston, Brooklyn has shown that they're just not all that interested right now and that they're they're there to win an NBA championship, but they haven't really shown that they're willing to put the groundwork in because they've barely played that big three together because one guy comes back, another guy goes to the bench, another guy sits out. Oh, they've been so in and out of the lineup. Kyrie Irving has been in and out, and he will just like randomly miss games for the weirdest of possible reasons. Kevin Durant had COVID this year, and he's also suffered some injuries. And James Harden, who has traditionally been an Iron Man, and he's always been out there and played an entire season. He battled a lot of injuries this season. Now that may end up helping him later in the postseason if they do advance because he's always been a guy that's known to get tired after having to carry his team. But it still stands. Will he be rusty because he's not? He hasn't gotten the reps that he's always been used to. So I think if the Nets are going to go down, the first round is the time to get him. 
And I know it's not the Wizards aren't some Goliath team, but they have been 17 and six, and they're and they're past um however many games that is. They've beaten a lot of good teams this season. They swept the Lakers. They swept the Jazz. They swept the Blazers. They swept the Nuggets. They took two of three from Brooklyn this year with at least two superstars playing in each of those three games. So, you know what? If Bradley Beal gets fully healthy in that series, Russell Westbrook is going to go off because he has beef with a lot of those guys. And whenever Westbrook has beef with someone, he just takes it up to a whole nother notch. And he will still take it to Kevin Durant time and time again. We all know what Beal can do scoring the basketball. They've had a lot of other guys play well. If they can take one of those first two games in Brooklyn, Washington has a very good track record of playing at home in the postseason. And I would not be surprised if they were able to get it done in that series. And I, and I know that's a very bold take, and a lot of people don't agree with me on that. And like I said, I'm not necessarily a Nets hater because I think if they do get past the Wizards, I think the Nets are going to the finals, plain and simple. And depending on who they meet in the finals, they'll probably most likely end up winning that series. But I, I think they're I think they're um, viable in the first round. I think I want to bring up two points there uh, on your, your little uh, run there. I think that, for one, Chris, the Chris Paul argument you made there, I think that sure Devin Booker has the probably the better stats, but ultimately Chris Ball makes bigger difference for that Suns team than Devin Booker does. That where I think he's actually is more valuable um, to that team, and I, I think that the fact that sure you could make the argument Devin Booker was a, he's pushing superstar territory, and I don't doubt that. I'm not taking that away from him because I think he is a very great player. Um, and he, like you said, he has potential to be a breakout candidate star in these playoffs. But you have to look at the the difference that Chris Paul makes. And with your some of your points, the playoffs game last year and playoffs last year, you brought up last year's like he didn't, uh, what's it called? He didn't make it through a game seven. Well, he shouldn't have been in a game seven with the Oklahoma City roster against the Houston Rockets. So you should get, you should factor that in. And then also, like again, a lot of injuries. Clippers stuff aside, I think you could you have a good point with the Clippers. Clippers always seem to underachieve in the playoffs, and I think that was more roster issues. But like the Houston Rockets, they're they're the only team that really like outside of LeBron's teams that really went toe to toe and challenged in the West against those crazy Warriors team. And a few injuries, a few bounces the other way, they could have beaten them at their peak. So I I don't want to discredit. I don't want to slander or discredit Chris Paul in any way like that. I think even at his age, he's still a guy that really makes a difference. And we saw that this year with the Suns. So there's that. And then with your Wizards thing, I I want to turn that Russell Westbrook fire like against you almost. Because you kind of you bring you tailor out Westbrook comes out big games. You know, he get you get big game Westbrook and he tries to go off, especially against players like James Harden and um Kevin Durant. Where there's been their former teammates, there's a little there's a relationship there, but I I feel like that sometimes is a negative, and especially in a series, uh, where you're gonna see this team back to back to back to back and game planning and all that stuff like that. I think you'd get to a point where Westbrook would just keep going hard so much that he almost takes the Wizards out of the series because the game plan for the Nets will be like. Just let Westbrook do what he wants because he's kind of hurting his team instead of helping his team. So I think that's kind of interesting to look at because in the one game setting, sure you could say, okay, the Wizards actually have might have a shot. They're they're a pesky team. They can put it together if the uh, Nets aren't as healthy or as consistent. Then yeah, you could say that in a seven game series. I don't think you can say that. I think 
it's more detrimental to the Wizards roster than it is helpful. And that's what we've seen with Russell Westbrook's career in the past like half decade or so. You're talking about the Eastern Conference player of the month here, Russell Westbrook, a guy who's been going yeah, bonkers, averaging over 16 assists in the month of can May. I, can I just, I mean, I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to like go crazy. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm seeing this happen I before. Know, he the last year of the Rockets, he completely imploded. He pretty much killed that team in the playoffs. I'm not James Harden really wanted to be there play anyways, so you could throw that in there with Oklahoma City. We saw it, um, and Paul George was with him too uh, for the later part of those years. So like you can count that. But like my perfect example is the um, twenty was it the 2016 2017 series? Uh, I think it was 2016 when the Warriors. Uh, had that three-one comeback against Oklahoma City Thunder, and Clay Thompson had like the big game that really shifted the series around. I think the big key, and people don't pay attention because they'll just look at the stats and say, "Well, Westbrook went off." Well, the game plan for the Warriors was to let Westbrook go off because if the ball is in Westbrook's hand more than a player like Kevin Durant, then um, you you're more likely to win if you're the Golden State Warriors because Westbrook is a guy that like once he gets in his head or gets in these big games, he wants to be the man. And sometimes it hurts the team. And in some of those cases it has. And so I'm just trying to bring up those points. I'm trying to say like not detract anything, but there's a reason why Russell Westbrook in these big games, there's kind of a reputation on him and a kind of a reason why teams don't kind of just let him be, let him try and be the man and why his teams don't get out of the first round. So make your points, make your bold predictions. It's fun and all Mm -hmm. just to bring you back down to earth a little bit. Like just tell me what, when, how or why you think that like it really would work. Cause I just don't see how that's even possible to see a Westbrook against this Nets team. The most fun part about this is in about a week or two, we'll really get an answer to this and we'll see who is right or wrong. I'm really excited for that. And just to close in on that point, because we're closing in on almost an hour here on the show and we still have a couple more things we want to touch on real quickly. Westbrook has done, I've been, I, I've had my fair share of Westbrook hate this year, but he's been done a much better job in the past couple of months of just playing through his teammates and going hard, but going hard in different aspects of the game, like rebounding, assisting, defense, going for steals, stuff like that. Not necessarily always trying to push the pace and score the ball himself. So I think that if he could really, if he doesn't take himself out of the game mentally, I think he'll be a plus in that series, not a negative at all. But moving on here, a couple more series we haven't touched on. A very exciting one is the Portland Trailblazers versus the Denver Nuggets. These two teams met up back in the 2019 playoffs and played one of the best series of that entire playoffs where they went to seven games. They had one game in that series that went into four overtimes. They looked very evenly matched the whole way. They still have very similar teams. Obviously, no Jamal Murray for the Nuggets, but now they have Michael Porter Jr. who stepped up and taken a big role. I think this series is going to go to seven games. And I know you really like Michael Porter Jr. and the Nuggets. So what do you think about this one? I, I think that what you mentioned is stepped up a bigger role. I think you mentioned Devin Booker as a breakout candidate. I think Michael Porter Jr. is the prime breakout candidate for these playoffs. Um, the Nuggets are going to need him and his scoring to really shoulder the load if they want to go far in here. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for them to contain a player like Damian Lillard, especially with Jamal Murray not playing with his injury. Um, so I think this series could go either way. You think it might be a six or seven i could probably see that um i i just think michael porter jr has a chance to be a difference if he starts going off he starts having big games 
combined with Nikola Jokic, the MVP candidate that we believe will be the case, I think um, this team should get past Portland. But it's it's a matchup that you know if one or two players gets hot on either team or someone like Robert Covington really comes together and or CJ starts putting together like you know 40 point games like again it's like it's someone goes gets hot on either side that could really sweat swing the series towards one favoring one team or the other so that's my sort of opinion just, just kind of like bring it down i think that it'll break it down i think it'll just be it'll be a close matchup as you mentioned i think it'll be something to really pay attention to it's a good it's going to be a good series it's not going to be the series that headlines or that people are totally worried about watching, but I think some big things could happen. I think some big breakout potentials there, and I would I'm going to probably lean towards the Nuggets, but I think it could go either way. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Nuggets in this series as well. I think it could be the type of series where one individual wins a game and then it just keeps on happening. Like CJ McCollum, you know he's going to come out and single-handedly win a game at some point. He does it every single postseason. Damian Lillard will probably do the same thing. And on the Nuggets side, Nikola Jokic is going to go for 40 points, at least one of the games, maybe like four or five of them, because Portland doesn't really have anybody that can guard them. Portland's defense has just been atrocious this season. And as good as Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum have been, they just have nobody to really match up with Jokic down there um, on the post and just all around the floor. So, and I think Michael Porter Jr. could also be a guy that steps in and puts in 35 one game and single handedly uh, is the difference maker there. So, I have the Nuggets in this game. I just think their defense is a little bit better. They're obviously much more seasoned coming off their long playoff run from last year. They're the higher seed in this one, and I just think they're the better all around team. And then moving on to the last matchup we haven't talked about, it's the 4 5 matchup the New York Knicks in the playoffs going up against the Atlanta Hawks. I don't think very many people expected that to be the 4-5 matchup coming into this season. This They were two of the worst teams last year, but they took advantage of a weaker Eastern Conference. They started playing good basketball around midseason. They really hit their stride, and they kept it going. The Knicks' home court is going to be crazy. They are excited up there in New York for this Knicks team. Madison Square Garden is going to be going crazy no matter what a percentage of fans they're allowing in that stadium. Uh, who are you leaning to? Uh, what are you feeling in this series? So I'm seeing a lot um, within the media and on Twitter of a lot of people pushing towards the Hawks here. The Knicks are 3-0 and against the Hawks in the season series. They have home court advantage, yet many people are thinking the the Hawks are the favorite in this series, and they don't think it's close. I want to go the opposite way. Uh, most of the, for the Hawks' defense, it is that the offense will be overwhelming for the Knicks, and that they have too many guys that can kind of get it done, and that it in a in a you know seven game series, it'll be hard for the Knicks to really string together. I don't think that'll be the case. I've watched this Knicks team on a number of occasions this year that they don't they don't back down they don't give up um and you know if everybody trying to like pit against them or a lot of people trying to pit against them uh i think that'll be perfect fuel to fire for the knicks to you know go out and actually beat this hawks team i think it'll be a close series i just i like the knicks uh defense and the real um resilience and so that's who i'm favoring this series i mean are you thinking sort of the same way or are you with everybody else thinking that the hawks are probably the favorites here 
Yeah, I'm kind of on the Hawks train right now. I think they're just a much better overall team, and they have a lot more firepower too. Their offense is tough to tough to stop with like Kevin Herter, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and then of course Trey Young at the helm, whose play has just been much much improved from what he was earlier in his career under head coach Nate McMillan. I think he's a phenomenal coach, but I also think Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. So I could see the series going to seven just based off the fact that you have two really tough um, head coaches. They're going to make pretty good adjustments. Neither team is going to back down. I love Clint Capella as a rim protector for the Hawks. He's been a very huge difference maker for them this season. And as soon as Nate McMillan got in, he was really the one that promoted Clint Capella. And uh, once he finally got healthy, he's kind of taken off and he's rejuvenated his career with them. Uh, I'm on the Hawks right now, but I could definitely see this series going to seven. And I'll have to say this, they're going to have to steal one in Madison Square Garden, and that could be the difference because when that um, fan base gets behind that team, they are tough to stop in that building. And the Hawks are a very young team as well. I don't know if anybody on that team has any playoff experience that I know of, except for maybe Lou Williams, who was not good in last year's postseason. So, I, I yeah, I could go either way in this series. It's not one that I'm particularly looking forward to, but I do think it'll be an interesting one that it'll provide some spark plug games. We've seen a lot of 4-5 matchups, especially in the Eastern Conference in the past, that have resulted in sweeps. Um, or or like five-game series, because remember last year, the Indiana Pacers got swept by the Miami Heat in that same 4-5 matchup. But I, I could definitely see this one going to seven, but I'm going to have to pick the Hawks over the Knicks. And that's just going to just about do it for us t- today on this show. Uh, we had a big uh, show for you, so we appreciate you sticking around all the way to the end. It was a little bit over an hour. We had a lot to break down with the NBA playoffs. We didn't even get to like our official brackets, but I think we kind of touched on it. I have the Utah Jazz coming out of the Western Conference and the Brooklyn Nets coming out of the Eastern Conference. Those are my official predictions, but I think I gave my bold predictions. I think we put a pretty good landscape out there for what could happen. Uh, Real quickly before we go, Eric, what is your finals prediction? All right, so putting me on the spot, kind of hard to do. I think the Lakers, I'm still going to trust them for the West. The Eastern Conference, I think is a little kind of wonky. I think the Nets are a good pick. But you know what? I'm going to have faith in the 76ers. I really want to see them jump, get over the hump this year. So I'm going to go 76ers, Los Angeles Lakers, and I'm going to lock it in. All right. You heard it, fellas. You got it here first. That's going to just about do it for us today. You can follow us on the socials. On TikTok, we are off the waivers. You can check out some videos. We'll be putting up some clips and some highlights for you. And then on Twitter, we are at uh, the OTW pod. You can send us messages, comments, uh, thoughts, opinions, uh, and feel free to send us any questions or any um, talking points you want for us to get on the show. Or if you want, just want to rub it in Eric's face that he's wrong from time to time, that's perfectly acceptable too. Uh, so we look forward to hearing from you guys and we'll be back uh, later on in this week with our baseball episode before we go uh, again with our basketball episode next week. Cause once again, we are doing it twice a week for you guys for about 45 minutes to an hour. They won't all be as long as this one so again we appreciate you sticking around and that's gonna do it for us everyone have a good night and enjoy these nba playoffs peace